This Week in HPC. Siemens makes HPC buy. And Mellanox posts record revenue. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. And This Week in HPC is brought to you in partnership with our friends at top500.org. Michael, This Week in HPC, we got a, another acquisition out there, as well as a, an HPC company that's doing pretty well. These are companies we haven't talked about a lot recently. And I'm I'm looking forward to talking about both of them. Let's start with the acquisition with Siemens, or if you prefer the German pronunciation, Siemens. This is a, a company that shows up in our site census survey. They do partner with Fujitsu in Europe. We see them from time to time around the HPC space. But here, they're really making a commitment on the HPC space by buying uh, CFD software provider, CD Adapco. Yeah, this is really their first uh Specific buy for for HPC type technology. I mean, they've they're they're spending quite a bit in this case. Not not that big for a company like Siemens, but they're it's close to a billion dollars at nine. Oh, it's only a billion dollars. Yeah, a billion dollars here and there. It's nine hundred seventy million. Um, so it's uh, they're buying the whole company. That's on revenues lately that CD Adapco reports of like two hundred million a year, uh, with uh, what they're saying the annual growth rate over the last five years is about fifteen percent. So they're they're giving a nice sum, but they're looking to get that money back in fairly short order if they can keep up those growth numbers and those revenue numbers. Now this is all coming on uh, a uh, change in leadership at, at both companies. They have a new chief executive at Siemens who is the former finance head named Joe Kaiser, and uh, also CD Adapco has new leadership. Their former uh, CEO, their co founder, Steve McDonald, passed away last year, and Sharon McDonald has taken over the company. So, I think that's a lot what's motivating the change at CD Adapco. Yeah, you got to believe that, that that's not a coincidence. The co-founder uh, passes away, and the, and the next year, the company sold. I mean, this is a company that's been around since 1980, so it's not like uh, they've just come out of a, a startup mode. They've they've established themselves. They're they're fairly well known in in the HPC biz. But uh, yeah, with the with the passing away of the co-founder, uh, this was probably an opportunity to sort of cash out here, and and with uh, you know that kind of revenue and sort of the market share. Uh, this probably looked attractive to Siemens, which is trying to sort of beef up uh, its software side, as it's been trying to do for, for the last several years. Yep. Some of those details coming to us through the Reuters article written by Liana Baker, although this is a well-covered story everywhere. Now, you're talking about the market share here. I see both good and bad here. I'm not sure if this is a, a purchase that I would have recommended, though. Let's start with the good. You know, CD Adapco is obviously a company that we've tracked in the HPC space all along. They have two of the top 25 most commonly used uh, HPC applications that we see, uh, starting with Star CD, maybe the, the more well-known one, uh, and then also Star CCM Plus, both of those in the CFD space showing up among the, the top 25 total uh, application mentions in our site census survey, and uh, among their both in the top five most used um, fluid dynamics applications, if you narrow it down to, to CFD. 
CFD. So, you know, that's good. They're picking up some customers, right? Right. I mean, you would you would assume so. I mean, that's it's going to be some customer base. I mean, two hundred million dollars. That's not just a few customers. They they must have somewhat of a broad base there, uh, selling these licenses. Uh, but like you said, we saw open uh, the open phone package. You know, ramping up over the last few years, and that's that's offering some competition for these licensed uh, these license packages from both CD Adapco and Ansys and right. uh, that's probably some competition that uh, you know it, it's going to be tough to compete in certain in certain segments that's actually where my concern starts coming from and it's not just an open foam although that's been the most dramatic example of a large growing open source application but across all vertical markets we've really been tracking a migration away from purchased licensed ISV packages toward more open source more in-house development and that's in part due to the increased heterogeneity in the processor space in fact a great deal due to that as well as the transition of multi-core and many Core, which has strained the licensing models for ISVs, uh, you know, to try to put together what's my business model for increased scalability over these number of cores, which people don't really want to pay a, a big premium for. So, in as much as uh, CD Adapco has had um, a strong share in the site census survey, that's a bit of a mirage because it's actually been dwindling. The company uh, has been posting increases or growth in revenue, but from my analysis, I would guess that that's increasing amounts of money from a shrinking customer base, because if we look at the trend over the last 10 years, we actually see CD Adapco shrinking in our database uh, at the expense of, uh, well, especially at the expense of OpenFoam. Right, right, and and certainly if we can believe those numbers, and they are from a wide variety of sites, but they're you know for for each of these companies, it's a relatively small number of of reports. That's because there's such a long tail in in these HPC packages. Nobody really has you know dominance in one area or the other, so it can vary quite a bit. But yeah, we have seen that trend. It's it's sort of hard to deny that you know they've tailed off. Yeah, this is enough numbers, Michael. That this isn't just a one survey. Enough. Anomaly. This right. is if if we go back and, and batch together surveys in pairs starting in 2008, 2009, and then look at 2010, 2011, and we do them in pairs so that you get high end values on the statistics. There's a steady decline in every pair of years in the penetration of CD Adapco. That's that's not just survey anomaly. That's good data. Right. I mean, you've got to believe that data because we have, you know, we have noted that trend. Because that's what we do for a living, Michael. We're analysts. <laughs> and we also noted that that you mentioned as we were talking before the show is that their two main packages have not been uh, upgraded for GPU compatibility, which doesn't necessarily translate into lower revenues. It just maybe shows a more conservative customer base, perhaps, or an older customer base that that isn't looking into this technology. Yet. So that, that's exactly right. That's the second reason here is because they're in the minority of packages that's not on optimization yet for other types of acceleration. And that means they're behind in terms of a big trend where the market is headed. And it, it doesn't bode well for continuing to pick up more users in the future. Well, if they if they do that now with uh, 
the, the new ownership under Siemens, they might get an influx of uh, R&D money. They might be able to do some of those ports now, or they might take a different direction. Uh, certainly, they'll have access to uh, a sort of a wider um, market now under Siemens, and maybe some uh, also some some greater sales exposure too. And they might actually change some of that um, some more conservative. Uh, Porting that, that they've experienced, at least with with regard to some of their competition. Yeah, maybe it means that they have to focus on something like Xeon Phi or or, right. or something around power. But you've got to do that while also revisiting a license model that currently is giving you a lot of profits from the customers that you do have. So it's going to be a tricky tightrope for Siemens to walk. Right. Although Siemens likes this business in general, I mean the the software licensing business is a good one. It has fairly good margins. It's uh, it's not like Siemens' other business, where there's somewhat lower margins. In fact, they've been shedding some of those core businesses that are more centered around hardware or, or other services that don't have these big margins. So they probably look at this a little differently than, than sort of we've uh, pigeonholed it here. And they're looking at a nice software business with a, a stable customer base, where it's their growing revenue that they're reporting. They can have. The, the kind of margins that they're looking to grow. Meanwhile, their their biggest competition really is Ansys on that side. So this opens up an opportunity for Ansys in the near term to figure out if they can capitalize from it. I mean, Altair might also try to make a move. Altair's been an interesting company in this space that also has uh, also has CAD software, middleware software bundled into HyperWorks. So we're going to see, see some changes in the landscape here, especially against the backdrop of the underlying architectural changes in the industry. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, it will be interesting. And maybe we'll hear more from CD Adapco in the future because of this new acquisition, or maybe we'll see less. It'll, it'll have to depend on what Siemens decides to do. Meanwhile, let's get another quick story in this week in HPC. Maybe not quite as, as long a story to talk about, but definitely interesting. Mellanox, uh, which is a public company in the HPC space, uh, so it's one that you get uh, good quarterly numbers on. We try not to do every quarterly report on the companies that fall into that category, but I do think it's noteworthy that Mellanox has just posted record revenue for 2015. Yeah, they had a very good year for 2015. Like you said, the record revenue, $658 million in sales that year, and that was... Uh Basically up uh, 42% from the the previous year, which was which was a bit of a down year. Um, and also they had good good quarterly revenue and good profits this year. They had uh, on that revenue they had uh, 96 million in uh, net income. Yeah. Now, the, the, yeah, as you pointed out, 2014 was actually relatively down. Their previous biggest year for revenue was actually in 2012, when FDR was pretty new, FDR Infiniband, and was also the same year that Intel acquired the uh, Infiniband business from QLogic, which might have cleared that competitor away from, from Mellanox. So, they had a very big year in 2012, more modest in 2013, 2014. But then 2015, not only posting record revenue, but also every quarter individually was profitable. So, uh, it's it's been a nice, successful return to growth. I think, driven in large part, what we've seen in our surveys has been a, driven in a large part by uh, storage. The growth in InfiniBand as a storage interconnect, I think, has been a big boost. Yeah. In fact, uh, the CEO, CEO Waldman, said that the storage market will be the number one driver of uh, InfiniBand growth in this year, and that's followed by the HPC segment. So, he's looking at storage as well for InfiniBand. 
Fannie Band as, as a big growth driver. And certainly, for this year, that was that was some of the growth. I mean, their biggest uh, revenue driver was was not the newest EDR in Fannie Band, it was FDR in Fannie Band, which has been growing steadily and uh, and sort of had its second peak again this year. And that's probably due to some of the storage uh, wins they've had there. Oh, completely. I don't doubt it at all, especially as uh, you have trends like big data or flash, or, you know, high need for high IOPS, all of this coming into right. your systems. That drives the need for a high-performance fabric. Now, people are also going to be uh, evaluating Intel OmniPath as it comes out, but this is something we're also gathering uh, data. We have new, um, new data from a new survey that's coming in uh, that's primarily focused on the different multi, the different uh, microprocessor options and and accelerator options out there. What are all the different processing elements that people are evaluating from the future? And it's an incredibly rich data set there. And I know we'll be talking about that a lot more as we talk about things like the prospects for Xeon Phi and for Open Power and GPUs and ARM and FPGAs. We've got incredible data around that whole space. But there was an additional question in there looking at the futures of some of the interconnects, whether they're processor interconnects, memory interconnects, system interconnects that are associated with some of these technologies. And the most favorable end-user uh, viewpoints were, uh, were attached to Mellanox and Finiband. End-users had a, a more favorable viewpoint of Mellanox and Finiband than anything else. Yeah, and that's to be expected, because since the QLogic buy by Intel, they haven't really released any, any new products until now with Omnipath, but that's not an Infiniband product per se. So, in in this interim time between 2012 and now, uh, Mellanox has sort of had uh, its its own uh, sort of green field to put out its its FDR Infiniband. That's 56 gigabits per second. There's there's essentially no competition there for that. So, they've sort of had this advantage, and things are are going to change competitively next year. But uh, it, it turned out to be a good good year for. 2015, all the stars aligned, and, and yep. even even their Ethernet uh, portfolio kicked up, and they got some uh, really decent Ethernet wins over the past basically year and a half, and it, it showed in this year that uh, it really helped the uh, the bottom and top lines. Yeah, well, I mean, you said the right thing, which is the competitive landscape is definitely going to change. I make no mistake, Intel OmniPath is going to be an incredible competitive threat to Mellanox. So they they need to take this momentum and really build it into something sustainable in the face of, of a dramatic competitive threat this year. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, they're, they have good cash in the bank now. They're investing in this technology. They've got lots of uh, buttons to push. I mean, they, they do have actually a very uh, complete and uh, you know, well-thought-out Ethernet strategy as well, and that's starting to pay off as well. So, it's not like they put all their eggs in one basket, but with OmniPath coming online, like you said and, and I said, uh, it, it's going to be a different ball game. So, uh, they've come off a good year, and they're just going to have to, like you said, keep going and uh, keep that momentum and, and try and differentiate their product lines so that it, it stacks up well against the new Intel offerings. 
Right. And that's stuff we have talked about with uh, Mellanox's previous uh, product launches is I, I think they have been investing in that is, is where is their differentiation going to be against the uh, Intel scalable system framework against Intel OmniPath. Mellanox has um, uh, you know a, a viable competitive advantage there, um, but we're going to have to watch and see how it plays out. This new data around how favorable people's impressions are as we head into uh, you know the OmniPath being brand new is really good data from the outlook and, and will help us put together an actual forecast. But uh, you know let's let's start with Mellanox is in the right place. You know record revenues is a good place to start from. Yeah, and and differentiation they're they're getting into different areas besides HPC, which will which will help you know all their businesses because they'll get a broader customer base and be able to you know use some pricing to, to, to optimize some of that as well. I mean, one thing that, that we didn't mention too much is the Ethernet space that they're, they've been driving into. They now have products for the 25 gigabit per second and 50 gigabit per second on up space, which is driven by, uh, those two speeds were driven by hyperscalers. They want those two speeds. And you know the CEO thinks they're well positioned to, to have a big market share of, of that, uh, that growing, that rapidly growing market. The, 20 gigabit per second space is just gearing up now, uh, but with Mellanox in there at the beginning, they they are poised to do well in that space, and we'll see how that plays out over the over the next few years, obviously. But uh, I, I think there's every reason to be bullish on their prospects there. Yeah, and I don't know how much InfiniBand will take over a broad hyperscale spectrum, but what we've seen with things like machine learning, artificial intelligence, is that you get these high performance segments within a hyperscale deployment. And that's where you can see the opportunity for things like GPUs and faster system fabrics like InfiniBand or OmniPath. Yeah, and that and those hyperscale sort of niche applications, we'll see that. But I think in the volume market for hyperscale, we're still going to continue to that's see. That's going to be the Ethernet. Yeah, it's still going to be Ethernet, and it's going to be these new speeds that are emerging and, and these new Good standards. Point. Good um, point. But in either case, whether it's these, this, the niche market for hyperscale or the broader markets, like I said, Mellanox has, has it covered. So they're, they're in good position all the way around. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Michael. Two new good stories this week, and uh, I appreciate getting a chance to talk about some of these companies in the news. Thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. 